welcome to the Nomadic Mindset Season 1. My name is Kevin Cottom, a global nomad and the author of the leadership book, The Nomadic Mindset Never Settle for Too Long. Over the season, we will go on a journey to discover what is the nomadic mindset and how you can tap into that. For this, I will be interviewing a diverse group of cross-cultural thought leaders from all walks of life. So let's get on with it. Let's go nomading together. Welcome back to The Nomadic Mindset. And if you are tuning in for the first time today, thank you for taking the time to come and explore ideas and thoughts with thought leaders from around the world. In this episode, The Nomadic Mindset meets the truly incredible, extraordinary creativity explorer, Frederick Heron. Frederick is a global keynote speaker and author who is driven by his inner theme, humanity to the power of ideas. He has spoken for many, many places many, many times a year, and he has a wealth of information to share with us. What I love about Frederick is that he travels, explores the globe, speaking on business creativity and innovation. He has authored 10 books and is titled The Ideas Book, has sold over 200,000 copies and was included in the 100 best business books. Now that's pretty cool because it's pretty hard to sell a book a lot of the time, so he is an expert. I want to share with you that I believe this episode is really going to take you on a journey, a journey to find and explore what is creativity, what are ideas, thoughts, and how it really is about the mindset. And so let's go and have a chat with Frederick. Can you just share with the audience exactly what is a creativity explorer? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm very happy to be talking to you about uh, uh, my topic. So I've been studying creativity for the last 20 years or so. And uh, for the last eight months or so, I've been def- redefining myself as not as a creativity expert, but as a creativity explorer. Uh, and it totally changed how I approach my research because to explore is technically the definition is to explore is to venture into unknown territory in order to learn more about something. And so I'm venturing around the world to learn more about creativity in the most unexpected places, I guess, from from uh, North Korea to, to the Maldives, trying to understand what creativity is by interviewing people uh, in all walks of life. In all walks of life, but you haven't done a penguin yet, have you? <laughs> uh, I actually would love to see how penguins think about creativity, and I might, I might very well go. That's the only continent I haven't been to, so I, I have it on my to-do list. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, I think that it's wonderful that you are doing all this exploration. I love what you just said about venturing into the unknown. And that is really something that I think is probably very vital for today is to venture into the unknown. Because I think that we've become too narrow. What do you think about that? So I I think it's important to look at it from both definitions of the word. So do you have to venture onto, onto the unknown, but also in order to learn more about it. It's that curiosity to understand the unknown that is crucial for exploration. Otherwise, you might say you're an adventurer. So the uh, explorer goes into the unknown in order to learn more on, about it in, so that we then can expand our world of knowledge because there's so many things we don't know yet. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a white, a white spot on the map. It can also be um, a white spot in your subconscious or with your family or your neighborhood. Or, or uh, it doesn't have to be 
go to the other side of Earth, but it has to be to find out more about things we don't know. That that part of it. Yeah, I, I mean, both of those parts of the definition are actually really wonderful, and I, I love the way that you use the word expansion because of that is so important today when we look at historically of the geopolitical situation, the climate, and uh, people naysayers, fake news, all sorts of things. But on that is why do we need to explore though? Actually, I, I just yesterday interviewed the, the head of design at uh, the head of customer experience at AirAsia, who's been working in Lazada and a bunch of other uh, companies with user experience. And he was talking about curiosity the, uh, as the, one of the most important aspects of, of uh, when we want to learn new things uh, about the customer. And he said that there's two kinds of, of curiosity. One is just like, oh, I'm curious about that guy or that dress or something. It just, it's kind of like it's something catches your attention and you go and look at it. And the other definition of curious is that you, you really want to understand something. So, so you dig deep. So he said, we, we're using one word for two different things. And we reframed it so that we have to talk. What he really wants us to focus on is what he calls deep, deep curiosity. When you really want to go and understand something that you don't understand. Mm. Well, that's beautiful. And I would because, imagine- then, because then when you, when, you go deep into, when you go deep into something you don't know, that's when you. That's when you. Your mind can truly expand, and you can become something that you were not. Yeah, because you can start seeing all sorts of different thoughts and different ideas and different pathways, and uh, you know, it just it opens up a lot of channels, really, doesn't it? And is yes. this? And a lot of people. Sorry, but a lot of people they they try to go deep on. They try to better understand the things that they already know, but it's difficult to kind of totally change your mind if you just go deeper into something that you already know. That's why it's so important to venture into the unknown because that can give you new insight or new information or new input or, or new something that you can combine with what you already know. And suddenly you can look at not only the, the new part, but you can also look at the old part and the things that you already knew in a totally different manner. So, I mean, I, when I moved from Sweden to, to China in 2005, not only did I learn so much more about the world through the eyes of the Chinese, I also suddenly got to see look at back at Sweden and look at Sweden in a totally new way that I didn't look at it before. So you can see new things in the familiar by, by exploring new things. Do you find that by doing that, that you're able to also say, you know, step back and see things, as you say, and step completely back and look at it from an expansive point of view, like, you know, uh, and, and so that what you were just talking about, China and Sweden, but were you able to stand back and see it? And feel it. So yes, yeah, so there's two things, right? Uh, the, the the part of, about seeing the new things in China, and then looking back and looking at Sweden in a new way. But also by distancing yourself from the old Sweden, I could look at. It's kind of like when you come back to your when you get back to your old hometown, and suddenly like, ooh, how could I think this? Or why did we? Why, why did we look at? The, so you yes, by distancing yourself, it's kind of almost like an. We talk about an outer body experience, right? When someone dies and, and you yeah. can look at, but we, maybe we should talk about an outer mind experience so that you can look at your mind from afar and suddenly see things uh, about what things you used to think in a totally new way. Oh, I love that. The outer mind experience. It's like looking into the universe and outer space in many ways, isn't it? And so, yeah, I, 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 it, yeah I love that. It's, it's you know, it, it is that because... It, 
I don't know about you, but when you go into these meetings or just in general, when you can spend time on your ideas island and whichever, you must go into that space of where you start seeing things in a very different way. Is that, is, would you say that? Yeah. So, so it's two parts about creativity, right? One is the, is the thing about new input, new inspiration, seeing new things. So I've, I've, I've structured my life. So about nine to 10 months per year, I travel like crazy. I was in 24 different countries last year. I was in 23 countries the year before that. So I, between 22 and 35 countries per year, I go to every year. And I deliberately choose countries like Bangladesh or North Korea or, or uh, uh, Namibia or countries that uh, not so many people go to. And then at the same time, I make sure I go to, to Paris and Berlin and San Francisco and so on as well. To, to get a sense of what's happening both in the developed world and the developing world, east and west, north and south. But then three to about three months per year, uh, I do nothing. So I have this island in Sweden and I just sit on that island and I don't travel at all. I hardly meet any people. And then the, my brain can take all of that different input, all those different insights, and then rearrange them and see and look for connections. Mm. It's very important to do both of those parts. Because uh, creativity is, is inspiration, and by so, uh, inspiration is needed to be creative, but to be creative is actually uh, exhaling, it's creating things. And if you're constantly inhaling new things, you cannot create. You need to balance those two things. Mm. I love that, the balancing of inhaling and exhaling. And for, often we forget that actually we breathe, right? And the connection to that with our mind, with our body, ideas, thoughts, is that it is all a breath in many ways. So I, I'm very curious, this unknown, uh, because you talk about the unknown, and that's where you go in with your, your work that you're doing now with your new book, is that you are finding the unknown in others. And can you just say a little bit more about what is it about the unknown that really drives you? Yes, I am writing a new book, which is called The World of Creativity. And it's specifically about how we can, what we can learn about creativity from different cultures and different people in different countries. So my, my thesis for the book is that there are different kinds of human creativity, depending on, on where we come from, and that we should learn more about it. So it's interesting because when we say the unknown, it only means the unknown for me, right? So Christopher Columbus I was an explorer and he discovered uh, America because it was unknown that the, the whole continent was there. He was unknown for the Europeans. It wasn't unknown for the, for, for, for the indigenous people who lived there, right? So it, I, I think mm. it's a, that's why we need to explore. We need to explore in order for ourselves to understand how ignorant we are about virtually everything. Like, I don't care how, how, how well traveled you are. Uh, it's that classic. Is I think it's, it's the classic quote, right? That the more the more I know, the more I know I don't know, and, and it's that curiosity that needs to be triggered. Ignorance, ignorance is 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 thinking that you know everything, and the the, the less you know about things, the 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 more confident you are that you know thing that, that you know everything, right? And the more you know, the more you know you know you know nothing. That I truly believe in that, and I love that feeling that comes when you suddenly venture into something, some, some area you didn't know so much about, and suddenly you get this humble feeling, like you feel like a child again, and you go, wow, mm. I'm, I, didn't know, I thought I knew this, I didn't know anything. Like when uh, mm. uh, 
Uh, yeah, like uh, when I moved again, when I moved from, from I was a very successful keynote speaker in Europe and then I moved to, to Asia and I didn't know anyone, I had no contacts, I had no business, I had to start over again and rebuild a speaking career from scratch in China without speaking the language. And I, I've never, I felt so alive because I was learning so much. I, I actually felt like <laughs> for, for, I remember the first few months I lived in China, I could hardly write any creative things because my brain was just so occupied with, taking new things in and trying to understand what was going on. And it's a, it's a beautiful feeling when that happens, but also when the brain goes, okay, now I'm starting to understand what this is. Now I can take all this new input and combine it with all the input. And suddenly there's so much more pieces of the puzzle that and you have so many more tools that you can use. And that's when, that's when creativity explodes. Mm, that's beautiful. It really is. And this is, in many ways, what you're talking about, the unknown, is, is like this whole sort of comfort zone as to un, uh, discomfort zone, right, that people are in. And many people don't like to go into the discomfort, right? And so that's a different mindset. And and so if we bring this to mindset in many ways, is, tell me about, I mean, your explorer mindset, I call it the, in many ways the nomadic mindset. What, what, how did you develop that? How did it come about for you? So first of all, I don't, I, I, I totally understand the concept of stepping outside of your comfort zone, but I don't truly believe in that. When I moved from Sweden to China, you could say I stepped out of my comfort zone, but I have never been more comfortable than in my own skin than I was the first few months in China before I knew anyone in China, because I was none, suddenly, I, I remember this very clearly. I was sitting in a restaurant. And I ordered something. I couldn't speak the language. I just pointed at some different things and, and they brought me food. But then they brought me a knife, a fork, a spoon, and two chopsticks because they didn't know how I wanted to eat the food. And I didn't know how I wanted to eat the food. And for the first time in my life, as a 30-something-year-old man, I looked at something and I said, how do I want to eat this food? Not how do I eat Like in Sweden, we, put a, we, we have a fork and a knife, and that's how we eat almost everything, right? In the Philippines, it's a, it's a fork and a spoon. In China, it's chopsticks. So a lot of people would just eat whatever is served with how the culture thinks you should eat this food. But because I wasn't in, um, immersed into the Chinese culture yet, and I had left my Swedish uh, culture behind because I was in China, I, didn't, I looked at the food and I said, what is the best way to eat this food? Is it with a fork? Is it with a knife? Is it with a spoon? Is it with what, two chopsticks? Is it with one chopstick and a, and a fork? Like, let's just figure out what's the best way to eat this food in front of me. So I felt very, very comfortable in, in this, un, uh, what most people would call an uncomfortable zone. So I like to say that, I, that uh, what we should aim for is not to step out of out our comfort zone. What we should aim for is to be comfortable outside our comfort zone. Because we are uncom if we are uncomfortable outside our comfort zone, then, then uh, that uncomfortable is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a feeling of, I mean, it, it's hurting, it's, it's like having it's like having a shoe that doesn't fit. That's uncomfortable. I don't think we should aim for uncomfortable. I think we should aim for being more comfortable without knowing exactly what's going on. Maybe we should aim for being comfortable in the unknown zone instead of aiming to be uncomfortable. Ah, so now we put a new definition onto it: is being comfortable in the unknown in mm, many ways. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So that's that. That's even more beautiful because that then really moves into that really cultural explorer that you do because you, you're constantly putting yourself in an unknown and therefore uncomfortable 
what might be called, but you're comfortable in doing that, which I think is fantastic. And if, if we bring that to, because you speak around the world an awful lot around creativity, what are you finding within organizations when we talk about this unknown curiosity, explore creativity? Do they need to do more of this or are they doing enough? Well, I've asked, I think I've asked a million more than I, I know I've asked more than a million people. If, if they think that they need to be creative in their jobs, everyone says yes. And if, they, and if they think their companies are doing enough to develop their creativity, everyone says no. So yes, everyone thinks we should be doing more. And it's interesting though, what, what, could, what could we do or what should we do? I just, just a couple of days ago, I interviewed the, the CEO of Mindshare. So Mindshare is a media agency that they've been around since I think 1990s or something. I think they have about now 10,000 people in a hundred different locations around the world. And I just interviewed the CEO and, and he said this thing that we, we don't reorganize, we refocus. And I think that was a beautiful way of describing it. So because when we reorganize, people feel very uncomfortable. It's like, what's happening to my job? Will I still have my job in my position? Who's going to be my boss? All of those things. He said, you know what? You, you know what you know. You know what you're good at. We define you based on your skill. But every year we refocus. What are the three things that we need to focus on in the next 12 months? And then we tell the organization this, and then the organization uh, all know that this is what we're going to focus on for the next year because we need to change, but we don't need to reorganize necessarily. So, and I think a lot of companies could benefit a lot from focus, uh, on, on being better at ref telling people what, to, what they should focus on instead of telling people which part of the organization they belong to. And maybe sometimes you need to reorganize, but the, the reshuffling of people in boxes is not creating change. Telling people that this is how the world is changing and now we need to, we need to change accordingly, that is giving people direction. Mm. Yes, and... I guess you can summarize it. You should summarize like this. You should give people direction. You shouldn't give people position, as in uh, putting people in a box, because the position is, is, is uh, fixed. A direction is moving. You tell them this is where we're supposed to go, not this is where you're supposed to stand. Mm, yeah. Putting boxes is putting much more limitations and, and different barriers around as if, you know, which is in part of the nomadic mindset is, is removing those barriers and being able to see that width and the expansion of being, you know, the unknown in many ways and being comfortable in that, that where there is no boxes and there's no limitations. And that is your life, actually, is putting yourself outside well not outside well maybe it is outside the box but can you share with us how we can get that way because a lot of people they want others to do it for them i think actually everyone wants to be more creative i i think and i don't think we should be more creative because it's a it's good for our business i think we should be more creative because it's good for for our mental health and it's good for our, our well-being and it's good for our lives and and we have less problems i mean Per def actually, technically, we have more problems if we're creative because we're defining problems and then solving them. But by defining them and solving them, that problem goes out of the way and then we can solve another problem. So if I look at creativity more like a public health announcement than anything else. People who are creative have less problems uh, in life because they solve problems. That's what creativity is all about. If you think black and white, you only see two solutions. If you think a, a rainbow, you see so many different solutions. And when you do that, you, per definition, also you find new opportunities for, for businesses and uh, for, for your career, and, uh, but also for everything else in life. 
is a creativity in a way is contagious in that sense that when you start thinking developing your creativity you start applying it in many different areas and suddenly your life becomes uh, full of more opportunities but then you still need to learn how to take advantage of those opportunities so it's not enough to just come up with ideas and see solutions you also have to implement them that 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 is a different aspect of creativity to get things done I think it's important then that with what you do and what you're speaking about, and I'm sure this is what you do, is is that you debunk really what creativity is. Because a lot of people say, well, I'm not creative. And I I often say, coming from a creative field, that that's absolutely nonsense. I say that, you know, everyone is creative. All you're thinking perhaps is an artist, a visual artist, or a composer, or a dancer. All of these, they feel, are is a small number of creative people. So how do you then move them past that thinking pattern in your speeches? Okay, yeah, so I totally agree that everyone is creative or, or maybe more specifically that everyone has the potential to be creative. I also think that the people that some people look at as being very creative are actually not, if you look at what they do in a day, they might not be so creative all uh, all throughout the day. Even uh, even Elon Musk is maybe arguably looked at as one of the most creative people in the world right now from a business perspective. And a lot of things that he does is going to be habit and things that he did yesterday as well. So I think everyone has the potential to be much, 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 much more creative than they are today. And that's how I look at it. I don't. It's not a competition. It's the classic example of of the only one you should compare yourself with is yourself yesterday. So are you more creative today than you were yesterday? If the answer is yes, perfect. If the answer is no, uh, then you should work on that. It's Mm. it's all about how can I, it's the same as fitness. Who cares if you're, uh, it's not a competition. It's just make sure that you're more fit today than you were yesterday. That's the only thing that matters. With that creativity, we need to let go of many structures as well and thinking in structures and thinking that way. And so this has a lot to do with mindset. Being creative and being anything really and innovative, whichever, has a lot to do with your mindset. Would you agree or disagree on that? Oh, I think creativity is almost all of my, all my, it's, it's 90% mindset and 10% skill and knowledge, I would say. Because if you have all the knowledge in the world and you don't have the mindset of wanting to combine what you know in a new way, well, then the knowledge means nothing, right? But mm. on the other hand, you do need knowledge, and that's, that's where the inspiration part comes in, especially new knowledge, new information that can kind of trigger the creativity. That's why you need to go into this unknown part. But yes, mm. definitely it's a mindset. It's a way and of the, thinking. It's a way to approach life. And so because this is the Nomadic Mindset podcast, is, is it the nomadic mindset where creativity lives, or is it the builder, or is it the settler, or is it all of them? No, I, I think the, the, I love that quote that you have. The it's uh, nomadic. It's not a movement of the body. It's a movement of the mind. That is a, that is to me that that is the definition of nomad. But it's also the definition of, of creativity. The ability to say, well, we were here yesterday. We've been here for X amount of days. It's it's been great. But now, but every day, wake up and say, well, it was it was good yesterday. But is it good today? This ability to question everything without saying necessarily that what we did before was wrong, but to say it was, it was right then, but is it right today? That is such an important skill, especially now when, when we're living in a world that changes so quickly. So maybe what we did yesterday was great, but today it's totally wrong. It's like Netflix. 
like people are ordering people are ordering DVD, uh, movies on DVDs. That's how he started because at that time it wasn't able to stream videos. But then when you were able to start streaming videos, they stopped the DVD thing and started streaming the videos online instead. Mm. And, uh, but it took Disney, I mean, how many years did it take Disney to launch Disney Plus? And now I think Disney Plus is going to be a huge threat to Netflix. But why did it take so long for Disney to see that they should start streaming their videos? Or why did it take so long for taxi companies to realize that you should be able to t pay your trip while you are in the taxi so you don't have to pay after you are arrived at the destination, which with Uber and Grab, you just jump out of the taxi when you're there. In taxis, you still have to spend one minute chart paying for the ride after you have a ride. It's, it's just so <laughs> annoying, and you've been doing it on Grab and Uber for 10 years almost. So yes. it, was, it was correct yesterday, but is it correct today? That, that, mm. that is... Mm. And that, that's extra important for knowledge because I like, I, I like to ask people how many people live, how many people live on Earth, and a lot of adults will still say six billion people because that's what they were taught in school. And when we went to school, it was six billion people. Now it's uh, almost eight billion people. But people live. In, adults go around in the world thinking it's six billion people. They haven't upgraded their knowledge, which means they're living. It's <laughs> it's like it's like driving a car but your eyes are 200 meters behind the car. That's a very dangerous way to drive a car. And a lot of people are doing that with their knowledge. It's unupdated. It's downdated knowledge. I mean, you can call it downdated knowledge. It's not updated, it's downdated. Downdated. <laughs> That's great. It's like when we're constantly reminded on our computers that we need to upgrade, we need to mm. install new. You know, it's constantly yeah. that... Uh, and again, that's new knowledge, or we sometimes don't even see it, but it's knowledge in the back end that we're trying to improve our systems in many ways. Now, let me come back to, we went to Mongolia together, which was a wonderful trip. And I'm so grateful that you were there exploring and going nomading with me. And I would like to know what you learned from Mongolia that has moved you into further into this uh, creativity exploration that you're doing. First of all, I, I think that trip might have been the first, I didn't know it at the time, but that trip might be the first trip where I started subconsciously thinking of myself as a creativity explorer and not just a creativity expert. Because to go into the, you know, we went almost to the desert and we, Hamaha, we drove, what, 12 hours straight into the, the, the desert and, and meet with the uh, nomadic tribes there. To interview them about creativity is not necessarily something you would do as an expert on business creativity, but getting those insights from them and learning how they look at the world said to me like, oh, okay, but I, I need to continue to do this. And, and now, since then, I've been going to much more uh, unpredictable people to talk, look at how they look at creativity. So it could be a CEO, but it could also be... I just recently went to, to Melbourne and I interviewed a blind person. What can we learn about creativity from a blind person? Or I went to Mumbai and I met, I met the woman who works with children of sex workers in the slums of Mumbai. What can, we teach, what can they teach us about creativity? And suddenly the, the, the world just opens up and says, there's so much we can learn from each other. Let's not be so stuck on just interviewing CEOs and big companies. So that, that, that was a very important chip for me kind of changed the way I define who, who can teach me something about creativity. But then so I also just love the, the, the whole idea that that insight that the word, that the word nomad 
means in search of greener pastures is the meaning of a nomad. And that idea that it's not about move, the concept of nomad is not to be moving. The concept of nomad is not to not have a home. The concept of nomad is always look for the best pastures for your, for your cattle. It's a search for the best possible po- uh, opportunity for yourself and for your tribe. And that is a very positive outlook on life. And if that means move, you move. That, that is such a positive message. Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's all about movement, really, isn't it? It's, yes. as they say, the movement of the mind, but it's all, I mean, our body, we are never not moving. We are never in that stasis. I mean, we may be s- slowing down, but that is so beautiful, that better place, the better possibilities. And as you know, there was a wonderful saying that was given to me by a Berber in, this, in, in the Southern um, uh, Sahara. And he said to me that everything, that Berbers see everything as an opportunity. So that goes along exactly with what you're saying in so many ways is that looking at the expansiveness and looking at that unknown that you're talking about. Uh, I mean, and, and I can tell you do, you, do you know, do you know the etymology of the word opportunity? Uh, please so, share. <laughs> it's absolutely, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for, for etymology. And th- this is my number one word, opportunity. Because the word opportunity is the word, it's like 2,000 year old, it's from the Romans. And it, it's actually a name of a wind. Like there's a hurricane, there's a storm, there's a tornado. May, different winds have different names. And an opportunity is one kind of specific wind. So what kind of wind is it? It literally means the wind that brings you back home to your harbor. That is the opportunity wind. So the Romans were out there in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and they were like starving or they wanted to get home, but there was no wind or the the wind was wrong. And then suddenly here comes the right wind, the wind of opportunity, the opportunity wind. And then now we can sail home to our families. But it tells us a very important lesson. It means just because the wind is coming, it doesn't mean you will come home. You still need to first realize that this is the opportunity wind, the right wind. And then you need to hoist the sails and you need to start, uh, you know, moving the rudder. Basically, you need to do things. So the lesson is that when the wind opportunity wind comes, you need to set the sails and start sailing. And, and, and so you need to, that's why you need to grasp opportunities. It, opportunities in themselves will, will not take you home to the harbor. You need, still need to sail. That's a very important lesson around the word opportunity. But it's beautiful, mm. isn't it? Oh, it's magical, really. I mean, it's exactly... Uh, what we need to know, but we need to get into a state of understanding of what that is. And that is a mindset to be able to do that because so many people are on this narrow thinking that they think they just bypass that and not see the opportunities. Well, we could go into a long way with opportunities, but, uh, but and my- also that part about movement that you said that it's movement, right? But it's actually, yeah. it's, yes, it is movement, but it's not only movement. It is the right kind of movement. It's movement mm. to something better. Just like it, it's not just any kind of a wind. Wind is movement, mm. but it's it's the wind that takes you back to your harbor. It's it's the movement that brings you to a better place. So a lot of people, I think, are just they are constantly on the move with no direction and no purpose, and that is actually not necessarily something. I mean, it's not bad, but also not necessarily good. We mm. need to be in I think conscious movement, movement with a purpose, movement to something better. To me, that's what nomadic mindset means. That's what exploring means. Uh, and that's, that's what creativity means. Wow. Those are beautiful things. Uh, 
This is amazing conversation, honestly. It's very creative in the, in the flow of it. It flows back and forth between the mindset. No, I, I'm very curious also because of the, you're now into the 57th episode uh, for the your creative book. And is there something that you have found that is across the board that is similar with all of these people or creativity or the way they think? Oh, that's interesting. My biggest insight is that there are so many things about creativity that I did not know. That, that is the, that's my biggest insight that I thought I like, I know about creativity, but then I interview creative people and I'm like, Oh, I haven't ever thought about that aspect of creativity, which, which I find so in like, for example, I, I, I love to share the example of, of the Mierda moment. So I was interviewing a glass artist in Spain and she was telling me about how she was doing all these glass sculptures in the beginning, but they always kept cracking and they kept cracking. Like it, it takes hundreds of hours to do one. And then at, at the end you take it out of the oven and then it's cracked and it's useless. So she wasted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours and every time it would crack and she didn't know why. So every time it came out cracked, she get, she got annoyed, but and then she did a new one. But one time she got so annoyed that she said mierda, which means basically crap or shit, right? So it's the shit moment. And she got so angry that she decided to go to the university, the university library and read everything she could about glass. And she just consumed the whole idea of, of the chemical reactions and everything because she wanted to understand why the hell is it always cracking? And then she well, cracked it. So she realized why they were cracking and she figured out what she did was doing wrong and then she could fix it. So the Mierda moment is, is the positive energy that you get when you fail. And it, not every time that you fail do you get a positive energy, but many times you fail and you then get disheartened or annoyed or, and you start over. But sometimes, and we all have this feeling, sometimes when we do something and we get, we get this positive energy out of it, that's a Mierda moment. And, and that creates a lot of positive energy energy and a lot of creativity. Maybe we could say when Steve Jobs was fired from Apple, that was a Mierda moment because he went in and started Pixar and started looking at what he got a, like a, a creative rush out of being fired from Apple. And that's what ma made Apple so much better when he came back. And I've never thought about, I mean, we, we talk about encouraging failure, but that kind of implies that all failure is the same. But the Mierda moment inside shows that some types of failure actually gives you a lot of positive energy. And you should be aware of that. So when you are experiencing a mierda moment, you should say, you should say, wow, this, I'm now, this is like a bigger wave. I should surf this wave, take full advantage of it. I'm in the mierda moment right now and just surf it because that will create so much positive creative energy. But I've never thought about wow. it like that. Hmm. The mierda moment. Is that M-E-A-R-D-E? Or yeah, Mierda. You, it's it's shit in Spanish, basically, because she's a Spanish artist, so she that's what she said. Like, but I don't want to call it a shit moment because it sounds bad. So I call it in the Mierda moment. It's much more beautiful, yes, and poetic. <laughs> uh, it's it's in many ways it's like the Merde moment in French, or it is also like a aha. Yeah, it's like an aha moment. It's, uh, it's these things. Aha, are... because, no, it's not an aha moment because it's different from an aha moment because an aha moment doesn't necessarily involve a mistake or, or, um, or, a, or a failure. And it's, a, like, it's an aha moment combined with a failure. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, gosh. Wow. 
we could go on forever about this one, but I think that's interesting. So, the, so one of the things that you found it's similar is that in many ways is the unknown for you uh, in that you didn't know about, but you learned from, uh, from all of these people. I think that's brilliant. I mean, there's so much out there, right? From different mm. people and how they explain. Wow. It's very, very so cool. So I think we should, we, should we should define unknown in two different versions, right? There's one unknown is things that we just don't know. Like, do we have a soul or not? There's no scientific proof for that the soul exists or not. We might believe that it does or we might not believe that it does, but we don't have proof that it actually physically, we cannot explain the soul. So there's some things we don't know. Or if there's life on other planets, we don't know. Right? These are, those are the totally unknown. But then there's all those unknown things that we do know, but you don't know yet, that someone else can teach you. And those are the much more uh, low-hanging fruits of the unknown tree, so to speak. Right? Mm. And those, mm. those, those, those we should just go after. Like what, can, what does someone else know that I don't know yet? That's just a, a tr transfer of knowledge. And there's so much of those things that someone, like the mirror at the moment, I, I didn't know about it. She knew about it. I didn't know about it. Now I know about it. Now I tell you about it. That's, su that's such a simple unknown to make a known. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is fantastic. I'm sure that everybody that's listening has a lot of mirror at the moment, and hopefully that they will use those as, as the moments to to really excel in their lives and to be able to move forward, and especially in organizations, to find their mirror moments on an ongoing basis, right? And yeah, that's I, what I get, you talk another about. One that, another one, sorry, but another one that I, I just interviewed was an illustrator in Switzerland, and he was talking about observing because he said, I don't define myself as, a, as an artist. I don't, uh, I don't define myself as an illustrator. I define, my, I define myself as an, as an observer and said, I, I just observe what things look like, and then I draw them. And he said, I, I always observe. And he said, most people, they don't observe. And I said, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I, I go out into the forest and I look at everything I see. And I said, well, so do I. And he said, well, do you really? How often do you turn around, for example? I said, what do you mean turn around? He said, uh, I turn around every 30 seconds when I'm walking in the forest because I, I want a 360 degree. So or what, what I am, what I experience it. And he said, I can follow people in a forest for like 10 minutes, but they will never know that I'm there because they never turn around. Because so, most people are so obsessed with m looking forward, right? But he said, if you turn around every 30 seconds, you see more, much more wildlife in nature because the animals might hide when you're coming, but then when you pass, they come up again and you can see them if you turn around all the time. Whoa, I never thought about observing like that. So he's on a totally different level when it comes to observing the world. And now I do that. So now that when I walk, I'm a much better observer of things now after I met this and I see much more things. Yeah, observation. I mean, that's really something that I've really learned a lot about with, with nomadic cultures uh, in Mongolia and Kenya and Morocco is, is that observation is an extremely important part of their existence because they need to know 360 what is around them for their yes. survival and their observation of being able to see things in a very long distance away and also short distance is phenomenal. I, I mean, I was as blind as can be when I was there and I was like, oh, I was very upset with myself because I couldn't see things even though, because I wasn't looking at the right, in the right direction for what they were pointing out. But the point is, is that observation is it's something we just don't do. We've lost that. And that's yeah. why many of these qualities that you're talking about 
are what we need to bring back in our lives and we need to be more conscious of them. And uh, so that is also it's into the nomadic mindset, all those yes. qualities. And, and then I and, interviewed them, this blind woman and, and she said, uh, she had a total different approach to it. And she said, like, what I said, what's the difference? What can we learn from, from you when it comes to creativity? And she, she said, well, as a, for you, a normal seeing person and a normal 2020 person, you go around and you look 100 meters ahead, you look 50 meters ahead, you look 10 meters ahead, you're, like, you're constantly scanning the environment. She said, I can't do that. I can only see what's one meter ahead of me which, with my cane. And that basically, it, which means I am much more in the present and in the absolute next moment after present. So she said, I'm much more living in the moment than you are because you're living in the future. You're like, you see a McDonald's and you're suddenly you're in McDonald's in your brain. I don't know McDonald's is there until I'm actually reaching McDonald's and I can smell it. So, and you know, everyone knows that being in the moment is, is not only good for mindfulness and, and well-being, it's also good for creativity. But the idea is that she's in the moment and one step ahead of the moment. And they said that, that is the sweet spot of creativity, to live, be in the moment and one step ahead. And said so that's what we can learn from the blind. So it's totally different from what we just talked about, but it's another approach uh, around looking at creativity. There's not one right, that, that's the p- purpose of the book, is that there are many different ways of looking at the world or looking at creativity. And sometimes you say, oh, let's use the mindset of the observer or the nomad. Or one, no, let's use the mindset of the blind. Let's just focus on what we have and one meter ahead of us. That's a totally different, but both of them, both of these approaches can be right. Wow. Oh my God, we could talk forever. <laughs> So many beautiful things to think about. And I'm sure the audience is going to be blown away by all of this exploration and just, you know, the flow. And I think that's important about what you do and what you're helping other people to do is to flow from in themselves. And that is creativity is you need to be in the flow for this into, you know, not only being in the moment, but being in the flow. And so is if, if there's one last thing that you would like to share with the audience or with corporates that would be very important for them to do to access that mindset within them, what would that be? Okay, so I think that then that would be, uh, it's going to sound like I'm, counter, uh, con- I'm countering, I'm arguing my, with myself now. But I, when I went to North Korea, I asked, uh, I've been there two times, I asked one of my guides who's been there like, 10 years. And I said to him, he's a Westerner, but he's been living, going back and forth for 10 years. I said, teach me something about North Korea that I won't understand for being here for five days. And he said, they are just like us. They just, uh, and he said, they just, most 80% of them want, want a really good life for the really nice people. And they want a really good life for, for their parents and then for themselves and for their family and their society and their country and humanity. And then 20% are assholes. And it's like, that's, that's true everywhere. And it is true everywhere. So the whole idea with this book of, of finding differences, like what, how is Chinese creativity different from Thai creativity? How is Thai creativity different from Namibian creativity? The whole idea with this book, of course, is to say that all of us are the same. We're all creative human beings. And the more we learn about these different ways of doing things, the more full human beings do we become i like to say that you're not a human being unless until you've been in india because you cannot understand humanity until you've been to india it's like you don't you only because it, that's so different than 
any other place on earth, but it's so, so human to be there. And so the whole idea is to learn, to see the differences and then, uh, then take those differences and use them if it's right. And if it's not right, then use what you're doing yourself. Like I'm married to a Filipino woman, uh, Elaine, and we do things very differently in Sweden than we do in the Philippines. And now when we get married, sometimes I, I, the Swedish way wins and sometimes the Filipino way w- wins. And the beauty of that is that we are now living better than they do. In the, I mean, what, what we, how we approach life is better than what we did in Sweden, better than what we did in the Philippines, because we're now taking the best of both cultures and combining it. And if human beings, like my inner theme is humanity to the, uh, this is a good way to end. My inner theme is humanity to the power of ideas. So humanity to the power of ideas. What does that mean? It means I believe in the potential of humanity and the power of human creativity. And that means that I believe if every human being could reach his or her full creative potential and, and were open-minded enough to pick up all the other ideas that other people have and implement the best one, the world would be a much better place. So that's, that's my mission. It's a great mission. My God, it's a fantastic mission. And I can see that you keep on growing and growing and growing. And I, I, I'm always impressed, Frederick, and uh, you're a great friend. And uh, thank you very much for also setting me on this course of the nomadic mindset in so many ways. So It's a I beautiful wanna... journey you're on. <laughs> Sometimes I think, is it? And then I say, it is me. It is exactly what I love. And I love to share it with people. And I want to thank you for sharing your nomadism and also your such brilliance and and being with with everybody else so thank you very much frederick for being here with us thank you very much you've been listening to the nomadic mindset season one my name is kevin cottom and i invite you to find out more about the nomadic mindset at the nomadic until next time Make it a point to go nomading and start discovering your nomadic mindset.